So we have been in a conversation about the Psalms or, or drawn from the book of Psalms. We've been looking at the book of Psalms and we've been seeing how they are songs. They're, they are short poems, mostly short poems. Uh, all but a few are very fairly short. Um, they're short poems set to music. We don't have the music anymore, but the poems we still do have. And the reason for that is that God wanted us to have the right words. God wanted us to have the words to use to talk about him and to talk to him. So the book of Psalms is is like a lot of the songs in the radio. It's designed to get stuck in your head so you know the right words to use. It's designed to be sticky. So the Lord is my shepherd, right? We all have heard that somewhere, and the answer is we've heard it in the book of Psalms. So we've seen how the Psalms is designed by God to give us the right words to say. And one of the ways that we can use it, as we saw the last couple of weeks, is we can use it to tell God we're in trouble and we need help. And when we do that, that's called lamentation. When we lift up our our uh, cry for help to God, that's called a lament. And what we saw last week is there's a there's a certain kind of prayer, which is the prayer of, of trust, which is really kind of telling yourself what to do instead of God. And it's saying, don't take back from God the thing I just gave God. So it's kind of a, a reminder to yourself to to let God handle the problem. So what we're going to do over the next two weeks as we wrap this up, we're going to be looking at what to do when God comes through. When God answers our prayer, what do we do? And so we're going to, we're going to talk today about Thanksgiving, and then next week we're going to wrap things up with, with uh, praise. And we can think of those as, as two different things that are talking about God or, or uh, talking to God in relation to what God has already done. Um, we, we heard a couple of weeks ago there was a, a woman who wrote a book, a, a scholar who wrote a book called Wow, Help, Thanks, that that essentially all the, the, the prayers we offer God boil down to one of those those three categories. And so we've been talking uh, the last few weeks about the, the help, and now we're going to be talking about the thanks, and we'll wrap it up next week with the praise. Or another way of saying it is, uh, today we're going to talk about what God does, and then next week we'll talk about who God is. So we're going to wrap it up with with uh, uh, praise next week, but today we're looking at thanks, and thanks is is uh, what we are called to do. But I think beyond that, we just know we're supposed to do it. When I was a kid, my parents used to make me write thank you notes. I don't know. I assume that that was true of most people's parents. Uh, maybe there's a few kids who, as soon as they unwrapped the present, immediately said, oh, I have to write Grandma a note. But but um, uh, that was not me. If that was you, good, good for you. Uh, for me, uh, my parents had to remind me and it wasn't that it was hard. I mean, it wasn't hard to say what I liked about the new toy or whatever. What was hard is just that I'm lazy. So um, so I didn't want to do it. I wanted to play with the new toy, and Grandma can look after herself. Uh, the only, the only honestly, as I think back in my childhood, the only thank you note I can ever remember writing that was hard was one when I got a bottle of cologne, and I was, you know, this tall. And, and I had no idea what to do with it. And I, I think, honestly... You know, all the different grandchildren, I think she just got confused and, and ordered me one for an older grandchild or something. But that one was hard. But mostly, uh, thank you notes are not hard. They're just inconvenient because, you know, you want to do the thing you want to do or whatever. So, um, so thank you notes, uh, can be hard. And what my parents did, uh, was they said, well, you better, you better say thanks because if you don't, you know, the well will dry up. You know, grandma, Grandma, you know, is only going to send you so many birthday presents, so many Christmas presents, if she doesn't see a thank you note in response. And um, as a as an adult with children of my own, I can say I have used that. Maybe that's not the right thing to do, but I've used that kind of leverage over my own children in the past. 
And I think when we do that, we kind of sell, sell grandma short. Um, my guess is grandma's going to go on loving her grandchildren, even if they are in grades and they don't write thank you notes. So, um, and, and, and I think that that's the case. It certainly was true of my grand, my, my grandmothers, uh, my grandparents for that matter. But, um, but it's absolutely true of God. God is a, is, is a loving heavenly father and he delights to give us good gifts. There's nothing we can do and there's nothing we can fail to do that is going to change that. God delights to give his children gifts. So if we've got that model of thanksgiving, that the the reason we have to give thanks is because the well will dry up, that's not, that's not what we see in Scripture. So what I would like to do, though, is look at this passage of Scripture because it does show us two reasons why we should give thanks beyond just the immediate, you know, thanks, I'm glad that that happened, but why we should make a point of giving thanks to God. So what I'd like to do is look again at Psalm 40. Um, this is uh, the first 10 verses. Scholars tell us that this is a uh, independent unit. And probably what happened back in the olden days, they didn't have copyright laws. Um, so what they did is somebody said, oh, that's a great, that's a great intro to my new song. So they tacked uh, up at the very front of their psalm what became our Psalm 40. They tacked on this other psalm that they'd found somewhere. And they said, this is really great. So um, uh, back in the day that somebody said, I like this, and they put it at the front of the other the other verses. However, that turned out, uh, Psalm forty one through ten is kind of a standalone prayer of thanksgiving, and that makes it good. There are a lot of uh, prayers of thanksgiving in the Psalms, but some of them are very long because once you get started, like I was telling with the children, once you get started, you know where do you stop? You know, thank you for airplanes and so forth. So um, this one this one has the advantage of also being very um, accessible and, and brief. So. Let's go ahead and take a look at Psalm 40, if you've got your scriptures. Uh, the psalmist begins like this. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. That's what we talked about last week, trust. All right? It's not easy. Um, sometimes it's the hardest thing is to keep from grabbing the wheel back from God. We want to be backseat drivers. So I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. God is way up there. He's making galaxies move around. He's doing all the God stuff God does. But he leaned down. He heard my cry, and he drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, setting my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God saw me in my distress. God saw the trouble I was in, and he pulled me out where I couldn't get footing, and he put me on solid ground where I have firm footing. So what do I do? I give thanks. He says, he put a new song in my mouth. I had been singing a song of lamentation. God, help me, help me. Right, that was the song I was singing, um, and now I'm singing a new song. I'm singing a song of thanksgiving. God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And then he tells us the first reason why he should do that. Not because, not because God's gonna dry up, the well's not gonna dry up, God's gonna continue to bless him. But he says, here's why. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. He says, you know what? There's a lot of people who are in miry bogs. There were some in my very own particular miry bog, and I know that they could use some help, but I know everybody's got troubles. And so when I tell people what God has done for me, it helps them distinguish between the God who does save, the God who who hears, who leans down and hears, as opposed to the false gods who you can pray to all, all day long and they will never answer your prayers. So he says the first thing 
is, is this external impact that you have when you alert other people to the fact that there is a God who answers prayers. But there's more to that, so he goes on. You know, the nature of receiving a gift from somebody, when somebody does a good turn for you, you kind of want to do a good turn back, right? It's just kind of, it's our nature. You know, we, we talk about how can I repay you or something like that. And so he kind of goes through some thinking about that. He says, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. So he's saying, if it comes down to keeping score, if God is keeping a record of everything he's done, and if I don't write a thank you note for each one, that I'm not going to get any more. He's saying that I've already lost because I can't possibly keep a record of all the all the great things God has done. So he says I can't even I can't even honestly thank God for everything He's done. I can I can give some thanks periodically when it when I realize what God has done, but I can't possibly do it for everything. So I can't do that. And so he goes on: sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering. You have not required. And this is something maybe in our culture we don't, we don't appreciate this as much. Back in the ancient world, it was very typical, both Gentiles and Jews alike, they would offer their gods a sacrifice. If you were drinking a cup of wine or eating a piece of bread, the very first thing you'd do is you'd, you'd take a little flick, you'd put your finger in it and kind of flick off a drop. And that was a libation. It was an offering to the god of wine or whatever, saying, I'm grateful. I didn't, I didn't cause these grapes to turn into wine. And I'm glad that you did, God. And both Gentiles and pagans, the Gentiles uh, did this as well. Same thing with food. That would be called an oblation when they did it with food. But the idea is you offered God a little sacrifice. And sometimes it could be very, very complicated sacrifices. We see in some parts of the Bible, there's all these details about the different categories and types of sacrifices that the priest would offer. And he says, sacrifice and offering you do not desire. He's saying, I can't repay you. I can't somehow, you know, uh, make the books balance going to the temple and, and offering, you know, three bulls and two goats or something to pay back for what you've done. I can't do that. But he says, you have given me an open ear. Now, we would say today, probably, you have opened my eyes, but they had an oral culture. Very few people knew how to read. What he's saying is, you've, you've allowed me to hear about you. You've allowed me to see what the scriptures tell me in a new light. Because, you know, so much of what I understood about God was that God had a long list of rules, that I had to jump through a bunch of hoops, and if I successfully jumped through all those hoops, then God would bless me. But now I'm seeing it in a new light. Now I'm seeing your law in a new light, that that you have already blessed me. You've blessed me in ways too numerous for me to count. And what I'm now realizing, now on this side of the blessing, is that that's what the law is too. The law is also blessing. The law is, is guidance. The law is an instruction manual. The law is a safety belt. The law is a crash helmet. The law is guardrails that keep me out of the miry bog. Yes. That I can understand your law in a new light because of what you've done. So he says, now I can serve you. He says, then I said, here I am. Here I am is the is the language that someone used in the scriptures to say, "I'm here. Uh, tell me what to do." It was the it was what a what a what a servant would say uh, when when they came to their master. He says, "Here I am, in the scroll of the book, 
it is written of me. Those laws are not just abstract things, just arbitrary rules you came up with, but they're for me. The scroll of the book is written for me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And then he concludes by saying, you know what, I'm going to add that to my song. I'm going to tell people God isn't just a God who saves by getting you out of the bog. He will also keep you out of the bog too. He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. You put your law on my heart. I have not hidden it there. I have told people about your law, the law that helps people stay out of the miry bog. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So that's this psalm of thanksgiving that begins Psalm 40. And really the application for us is to be people who are grateful, to be people who express our thanksgiving to God, to have our eyes open, our ears open, to see what it is that God is doing so that we understand we can't possibly uh, say all the things that God has done for us, but we can be alert and when we see something, to give thanks for it. To give thanks for it, not just in our own heart, not just say thank God, but to say it loud, thank God, so that others around us know there is a God who answers prayers. So that's the first application. But the second application is to think about the law. You know, uh, this has been uh, an interesting week. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, news. Uh, you've, you've seen, I'm sure, the Supreme Court cases that kept cascading in all last week. And uh, one of the things that struck me as I was uh, looking at the news on Friday is every time they quoted a Christian, he was unhappy. He was an unhappy Christian because... Uh, that makes for a better story. You know, you've got the, the pro side, and then you go find a con side um, in the area of same-sex marriage. And most of the people that I heard quoted were prominent Christians, and they were saying that the Supreme Court decision was a bad decision. Now, you can have your opinion about the Supreme Court and about the law and the Constitution, all those things. That's fine. But what struck me is the way that Christians came across not as people of thanksgiving, but as people of law. And when I read this scripture, what I see is the law is mentioned in verse 8. There's seven verses of thanksgiving, seven verses of God, I'm so grateful for the things you've done for me. And then he says, and that has enabled me to see your law in a new way. And my prayer for me, for myself as a, as a believer, and for us as a congregation, is that people hear about the law in the context of a life of gratitude, that people hear about what we understand God to be calling us to do and to be in the world in the context of our gratitude for what God has done. That they hear it about step eight in a process with ten steps. So, give thanks. Give thanks to God. Keep your eyes open. See what God is doing. Give thanks to God. Give thanks publicly so people can hear. And hear the law yourself in a new light. Hear the law as God's gift to you, as a way of keeping out of the ditch, out of the, out of the miry bog. Give thanks. Let's pray. Loving and holy God, we give you thanks that you are a God who loves us, 
who delights to give gifts. And if we overlook a present or if we just don't feel like writing you a thank you note, you will continue to give us gifts because you do love us. The well will never run dry. But Lord, we do pray that you would help us to have attentive eyes, that you would open our ears and our eyes so we could see what you're doing and understand everything you teach us in the light of your love. We pray these things not just for ourselves, but for the great congregation, all the people around the world in whose lives you are already at work. And we pray this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.